4: And a very good morning to you. Let me stay with the weather for the moment because while there is a little bit of rain, uh, some scattered light rain showers forecast for today. Keep your umbrellas close by because Aaron are saying we can expect heavier bursts of rain in the coming days. Tomorrow, for example, rain is going to extend right across Munster by the afternoon and then spread eastwards with some heavy bursts likely. And then there is rain in the eastern half of the country expected tomorrow night. That rain then is going to linger in the east on Wednesday. And then behind that, there's another band of rain extending nationwide on Wednesday night and uh, Matt Aaron saying the forecast for the rest of the week remains uncertain although it looks like staying unsettled. The only thing is there's no cold spell Insight, and that uh, might be good news for some. A very good morning to you, and you're welcome along to the program. John Paul is on a day off today, so Bernie is taking your calls at 1850 333103. We'd love to hear from you this morning, or you can text or WhatsApp, they come straight into me here at the studio to 0862 103, 103. Lots of uh, different issues uh, to talk about uh, today. Later on, it's Monday, and we will have our nutritional slot, and today our slot is going going to be on how to survive Christmas and that kind of ties in uh, nicely with recommendations that are coming out from Safe Food uh, Ireland and they are talking about the amount of weight we the Irish will put on over the Christmas period and they say on average we can expect to pile on a half a stone in weight just over however long you're going to take off over Christmas. And that while that might seem like a lot of weight, even though I suppose half a stone, say, in a week to 10 days. But it's trying to lose that weight. You'll pile it on. It'll go on fairly easily over the Christmas period. But then when you hit into January and you're trying to lose that weight, it'll be many, many months before you shed that half a stone. It's a combination of the alcohol that we'll drink, uh, overeating, obviously, but the other key Problem is lack of uh, exercise and because of that, safe food say you can expect to put on a a half a stone in uh, weight. Now, safe food are coming out giving tips on what you can do and they say, look, they don't want to spoil Christmas, they want everyone to uh, enjoy themselves. But just be aware of what you're eating and what you are drinking. It's the extra drink that we consume. You know, more people are going out uh, visiting. You might be Christmas parties. There's extra nights out, and while well, you're going to be eating more, but you're also going to be consuming alcohol. And alcohol, obviously, lots of wasted calories uh, in the alcohol. And then the lack, combine that with the lack of exercise. You know, the nights are darker, colder, wetter. Uh, you know, and you're in with your family and you're enjoying yourself. So you know, you're not going to say oh, I'll go out for a quick jog or I'll go out for a quick walk. But maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to factor in everybody going out for a, a bit of a walk. And I, when I was mentioning this with Simon earlier, I was saying that I knew a figure Annalise, uh, our nutrition therapist, always as a figure coming up to Christmas, I thought it was between four and 5,000 calories is what people can consume on Christmas Day. Well, I was wrong. The figure that Annalise speaks about, you can add a, a, a typical adult on Christmas Day, we can expect to have 6,000 calories in one day and 6,000 calories is treble the recommended daily uh, increase but that's what happens on uh, Christmas day you might start off with a big cooked breakfast then obviously the dinner itself is huge and then it's the dessert I mean Seafood Food are suggesting as one of their tips you can still have your Christmas pudding but they are saying have low fat custard with it but hang on now it's Christmas and if you're having your Christmas pudding, you either have to have the cream or you have to have the brandy butter with it and I'd be kind of saying I you leave us away with that on Christmas Day, uh, would you? But if you are calorie counting and you don't want to go down the route of putting on a half stone over Christmas, then their suggestion is uh, low fat custard uh, instead. They also suggest skipping on the fried breakfast and it's a tradition in a lot of houses to have a big cooked breakfast on Christmas Day. They're saying pass on that and they're also saying uh, to drink more water if you can manage to get in the glasses of water in between your drink and your wine and whatever else uh, you're having yourself. And then obviously parents are being advised to set good example to the children by steering clear of the chocolate-laden advent calendars and the selection boxes and if you've been in any supermarkets lately there isn't a trolley I think that doesn't have selection boxes uh, in it and there's so many offers on the selection boxes now as well and should the advent calendars they've already started I mean children on the 1st of December started to open their advent calendars but I, I don't know in the scheme of things advent calendars have what do they have one little chocolate behind each window I mean if a child is only having one chocolate out of the advent calendar every day I think we're being a bit bah humbug if we're saying move away from them but do do be careful. You could put on a lot of weight over Christmas. So we'll have advice later on on the programme on how to survive Christmas from a nutritional point of view. We're going to hear in a couple of minutes how local authorities are going to act as the data collector's for the community CCTVs. that this is good news because there has been a number of communities, particularly rural communities around the country, who were trying to get CCTV cameras installed as a way of protecting their area, particularly from these roving criminals that are travelling all over the country. And CCTV is certainly one, day, one way of tracking down these criminals. But we discovered with all the data protection rules that are now in place, Somebody needed to be the holder of the data and the data controllers and local authorities have stepped in. So well done to the local authorities. We'll find out more about that on the programme today and talk a little bit around CCTV, particularly for rural communities uh, point of view. People putting the wrong waste into the wrong bin. Uh, I'm always trying to do my best when it comes to recycling and if you're a regular listener of this programme you'll know I try to do my best from an environmental point of view I'm horrified by the amount of plastics we use and the single use plastics and we all have to do our bit and sometimes we can get overwhelmed when you start to think about, this, you know, that as as a world we're drowning in plastics and there's so many TV programmes have been made about it and reports have been done and we all have to do our own little bit. Well the Environmental Protection Agency has come out and why we think we're doing good, we're actually not and I mean the danger is that if we're recycling and trying to do the very best if, we, if the wrong item ends up in the wrong bin, particularly into the recycling bin, we can end up then with cross-contamination and everything in that bin is of no use, even though the majority of it is probably fit for recycling, but because it's been contaminated and something's got in there that shouldn't get in there, the whole lot of that then ends up going to landfill or ends up going going for incineration. And I think there's a lot of confusion out there. I think people genuinely are confused as to what we should be putting in and what we shouldn't be putting in, in the bin. I'm learning constantly. I mean one of the ones I only came across this year, something I'd always been putting into my recycling bin is plastic, black plastic. You know if you get a tray with maybe vegetables in it and it comes in a black plastic little carton and then there'll be some cellophane over it. The black can't be recycled. Clear ones can but I didn't realise that the black ones we don't have a facility in this country for recycling it and I was putting those into the recycling bin and there's lots like that um, where people just yeah, you know, are getting confused, and I saw a text in from a listener says, Hi, Patricia, on recycling. I try to do my bit, and when my children were in primary school, they were in one of the green school projects. Great education, which they have now carried with them onto third level. But my question to you this morning where can I get? Brown paper to wrap presents in as Christmas paper cannot be recycled to my horror. I only discovered that recently thanking you and happy Christmas to all at uh, C103 and indeed many happy returns uh, to you. Actually, I discovered that as well um, a couple of months ago. I saw something was posted up on Facebook, some social media page had this great idea about wrapping all your presents in brown paper and you could dig them up with ribbons and bows and uh, and everything else. And the main article was all to do with the fact that Christmas wrapping paper couldn't be recycled. And I, like this texter, was horrified. I was thinking, oh my God, I'm always using uh, Christmas paper. So I looked into it and it seems some Christmas wrapping paper can be recycled. If you can crunch it up and it ends up in a ball, which is the majority of Christmas wrapping paper, what can't be recycled is, you know that, and it looks lovely, wrapped up, the foil Christmas wrapping paper, that's the type of Christmas wrapping paper that can't be recycled. But the other, the paper type Christmas wrapping paper and the, the key to it on the article I read was if you can crunch it up into a ball then it can be uh, recycled. But it still is a lovely idea to use plain brown wrapping paper and you can actually use it then to talk to people. Well, the reason I'm using brown paper is because you can recycle the brown paper. But as to where you can get brown paper, you can certainly... I've seen brown wrapping paper in any of, you know, like the discount stores, like deals, any of those, the pound shops, those kind of shops. I've certainly bought uh, brown wrapping paper in there and I'm sure the last roll of wrapping paper I bought... I'm sure I bought it in dud stores in their stationery section because I was using it to wrap up boxes, you know, that I was sending uh, overseas when I was uh, posting them for overseas. So um, certainly they, it, it is available and you can do wonderful things if you want, if you want to actually use it for to wrap up presence. You know, you can put bows and stuff on it if you want to, you know, like ribbons and things, if you want to be a little bit creative with it. But well done for trying to do your bit on recycling. But if anybody has a particular question with regards to recycling, get it in because we'll have an expert joining us from the Environmental Protection uh, Agency. We will speak with HICWA on the programme today because HICWA came out at the back end of last week uh, advising on the new HPV. Vaccine. And this new vaccine is going to protect against much more different strains of the HP virus. I think the current vaccine protects against four. And this new one will protect against nine different strains of the virus. But the new what's happening with this new virus is it's going to be extended to young boys as well. At the moment, it's given to young girls when they go into first year. Now it's going to be given to young boys when they go into first year as well. So it will uh, protect boys as well as uh, girls. HPV vaccine Uh, unfortunately there was a lot of bad press about it at one stage and that got parents very afraid and some parents didn't give their children uh, the vaccine. I think there's been a swing back around it again. There's been a lot of publicity around how safe it is and obviously the big question with this new vaccine that I will be asking uh, is just how safe is the vaccine because uh, parents need to know if they're giving their child, their son their daughter, are now son as well, a vaccine they want to know that they're going to be uh, safe. So if you have a question about the HPV vaccine, uh, get that into us uh, as well. And we're also going to hear details of a new community first responder group which is going to start in East Duhallo. We have so many successful first responder groups all over the country and these are groups that save save lives. They are wonderful, wonderful volunteers so we'll get details of the one that's about to set up in East Duhallo. Your thoughts and comments welcomed throughout the morning 18.50 333-103 uh, text or WhatsApp 862 103, 103 and thank you to some people texting in straight away to say Tesco has that brown wrapping paper that your listener is looking for thank you for that and hi Patricia Coachford Post Office have brown wrapping paper that's from Liz and Joanne good morning to you, Liz and good morning Joanne mm-hmm. Christmas songs here on C103. That's a, a great old memory from the Ronnets and Frosty the Snowman. Certainly for this week, weather-wise, uh, we're not expecting any snow at all. I was just looking on my Facebook page um, this morning, uh, where the you know it comes up in your memories at this day. This weekend just gone last year I was over in uh, Oxford for the weekend and on the Sunday morning the day we were travelling back we woke up under a blanket of snow and the most wonderful Christmas scene at the start of uh, December and I can't remember I I know know we got back and all of that there was a bit of delays with the flights out of Heathrow but I can't remember was that the start of a cold spell here at home as well did that then lead to a blast of snow Did we have snow before Christmas last year? The old memory um, is leaving me down uh, today. Now, some of your texts coming in. Niall from West Cork says, Hi Patricia, heard you mention on your programme last Friday you were talking about telephone scams. Well, I've been contacted eight times over the past seven days by the same scam caller. A recorded voice introduces herself as Fiona telling me my broadband is about to be cut off. Some days I can get this call in the morning and again at tea time all on the same day, says uh, Nile, which is very, very annoying. Well the advice uh, Nile, because it's obviously to your landline, if you get these calls repeatedly to a smartphone, usually most smartphones have a facility on it that you can block uh, the call and that uh, will eventually stop them. But if it's to your landline, which I take it it is, the advice is is to call your telephone service provider because a lot of telephone service providers will have a call blocking facility available. But I don't know who your telephone provider is and I don't know which of the telephone providers have that facility to block a call. So you will need to check with them. I did take a look at Comreg uh, because obviously they are the ones who are trying to put an end to all of these scam phone calls. They accept there's, there's a lot of them and their general advice always is that if you are getting a call uh, that a lot of these calls can re- rese- they can resemble a very normal, familiar geographical uh, number but they're always saying to be very careful about engaging with someone whose number you don't recognise and certainly when you start talking with somebody you never, ever, ever give out your bank details, PPS number, your credit card details, uh, you give away nothing like that at all and, they, and they one, the main scam that's doing the rounds at the moment is the where it's the missed call it'll just ring once they don't want you to pick up the phone they want you to call them back and of course by doing that you end up in a premium rate line which will end up costing you uh, a fortune and comrades, you're giving the same advice that I just gave to Niall that if you are getting persistent uh, Scam calls are missed calls from an unknown number. Comrade, you're also saying to contact your service provider and let them know. Uh, So Neil, you seem to be very unfortunate with the amount of calls you're getting. So get on to your service provider and see if they can at least stop that particular strain of scam call that you are getting. And also advice to you, as we're coming to the end of the year, there's a revenue email scam doing the rounds that I have to say looks really, really good. It's one saying. It's the scam arrives. It's a, one of these what they call a phishing uh, email from Revenue, and it's it says on it that due to a technical issue, we're on it, we are unable to process your tax refund and the procedure is currently on hold. And in order to resume the process, this is what the email says: they ask you to follow the instructions uh, detailed on the dedicated site, 24-7 to get your, and it's underlined, tax refund. Now, of course, when you click on it then, they look for various uh, details. The figure on most of these emails seems to be, they're trying to give you back €469.29. And And of course, if any of us saw that in the run-up to Christmas, nearly €500, and you think, God, am I due? And you may be due a tax refund. And this does look very, very official indeed. They've even managed to get the S into, you know the, the link at the top the web address HTTPS because normally the clue when you're looking at any of these scams is is to check the web address and it'll normally just say HTTP it won't have the S because the S says it's secure they've managed somehow to make it look like a secure and credible account so just be very careful uh, of that one it's doing the rounds from uh, revenue and revenue while well, they do give back money every now and again. Uh, they're certainly not doing it at the rate that scam email is cl- is claiming. So be careful of that, of that phishing email. 1850 333 103. Bernie, taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp now to 0862 103 103. And a quick text to say, a listener has been on to say, Patricia, there is a, ro- a road flooded sign is needed on the road, worst, the road west of Gertrude, Lambertstown. It seems the water is flowing uh, everywhere. Last night a car actually lost control. It went through the fence. It is a dangerous road. With the powers that be, please, somebody from the council, take a look at that. The road west of Gertrude, Lombardstown. They need some kind of a sign up to say the road is flooded. Now, before we get to some texts in about uh, scams, a listener has been on to say a sum of money was found on Georgia Street in Mitchellstown on Saturday evening did you lose a sum of money or do you know of somebody that lost a sum of money? We'll give you no more details on that except that it was found Georgia Street in Richestown, and we have a contact uh, number for the very honest person who's trying to get that money back with its rightful owner. Mary Amala, when we're talking about scams, says there's a scam on the internet at the moment. I'm assuming this is probably on social media. It's Ellen from the American TV chat show. Her photograph is on a Facebook page and you're asked to register with them to get free gifts and all sorts of stuff. And if you watch the Ellen show uh, you know from her show she's they're extremely generous and they're always giving things out uh, to people so you could see how somebody would get sucked in uh, by it but the sting here is when you register they look for your credit card details go don't go anywhere near it please it is a scam and uh, Mary by WhatsApp says I was getting calls from Senegal on my mobile late uh, late at night last week yeah they're the scam ones where they're hoping you will call them them back. They're always missed uh, calls that they'll ring once. If you have a smartphone, Mary, you should be able to block that number. You might get a few more in again from Senegal but just keep blocking it and they eventually do uh, stop I was getting the same ones a couple of months ago as well Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Now last week Irish Rural Link the national network representing the interest of rural communities welcomed the news that local authorities will now be the data controllers for community CCTV schemes. Joining me Seamus Boland, Chief Executive of Irish Rural Link. Good morning to you Seamus Good morning. You're you're welcome to the programme. Now this is all to do with the concerns around data protection. Just explain why CCTV schemes have been stalled because of this.
3: I think the main problem was that they were completely tied up on who was responsible for data. As you know, in the last year or so, we had a major change in the way we bring in data. It's called GDPR. It completely shifts or pinpoint, I should say, responsibility in terms of who looks after any data, whether it's images, whether it's messages, whether it's whatever it is. Uh, so if you're in the possession of data, you have to really be sure where you got it, what you're doing with it, how you're managing it, if, when are you getting rid of it, and all of that. So obviously, GD or the, the CGT cameras are collecting, they're collecting images. Uh, So the question is, what happens to those images? And could a person's private business be impeded by poor handling of those? Uh, Clearly, voluntary groups could not take that kind of legal responsibility. It would be far too much. So uh, there was a bit of a standoff. And eventually, uh, we have a situation now where the local authority is now the legal manager of that data.
4: And local authorities happy to play their part, are they Seamus?
3: As far as I know, uh, I'm not sure if they ever were reluctant too much about it, but I think it was more of a sorting out a legal uh, responsibility, and I think Minister's Department had to make some decision on this. Uh, I, I, I never felt that they were hugely against it, but nonetheless, I suppose they needed to be sure of their legal position, because GDPR... Uh, in other words, managing of data, is is quite a, a complex and legal reality now that we face everybody uh, in public life and therefore they need a clarity, I dare say, as well.
4: And how successful, Seamus, have CCTV schemes been uh, in rural areas, particularly when it comes to combating crime?
3: I think they're, they're, they're a huge addition uh, to the whole area of combating crime. I mean, the reality is that uh, where they exist, uh, they are they act both as a deterrent and as uh, you know a finder of people who have misbehaved in, in a very bad way, and they also stop antisocial behaviour. Sometimes that can happen, you know, especially come around to Christmas, uh, which can be very frightening to people living alone, etc. So they are a major deterrent. Uh, there's no doubt about that.
4: And how do communities go about getting a scheme installed in their area if if, if they well, would like one?
3: Yeah, well, I think the, the the, the basically, uh, usually community development groups locally, uh, you can either ring the local authority, you can ring the Department of Justice, and you can download application forms, and uh, you take it from there. But, I mean, you do have to raise some money.
4: Are they uh, expensive?
3: Well, yeah, the, I mean, the, the state, I think, subvents it by 60%, so uh, I'm not, fully sure exactly the cost but you're, i just don't i actually don't off the top of my head I yeah don't know the cost. but but it is but, up but, to the
4: local community to quote and fundraise
3: well you would have to fundraise yeah. from what i gather now in our training, we kind of said we don't think that's fair but yeah uh, i suppose we, we take one step at a time you know we would be saying that the reality is this is about uh, public security and like all matters public security Frankly, uh, the public course should pay for that. That's our belief. Uh, and I don't think it's right that the voluntary group should be trying to raise money for this. But nonetheless, that's, they will and they are because it, it does make a big difference in an area. But, uh, but that's another debate. But we're, we do welcome the fact that now these things will go ahead.
4: Yeah, because, you know, the long dark evenings are in. This, this is the time when uh, if criminals decide they want to have a field day, rural areas they have a tendency to target...
3: Ah yeah, I mean the as I said I think Aura before when I was talking to you um these criminals are very sophisticated. They they have their own technology and it's usually up to them up to the best. So they're able to know where there's cameras, they're able to know where there's security, where there's community alert programs, and they're able to know where there's not. And uh they, they don't belong they don't waste their time uh, in areas where they think there's a risk to them as well. So uh, we, this is the life in the modern world we live in now we, we do have to take these precautions and rural areas can be very vulnerable areas if they're not protected properly
4: someone has texted in saying CCTV no good if somebody is wearing a hood
3: well uh, yeah I know there's loads of uh, reasons why that but you'd be amazed in a rural area you know uh, even a person wearing a hood uh, can be, uh, well, not positively identified, but some ideas as to who they might be mm. can help. Look, sometimes uh, these guys, the thing is with criminals and the real hardcore, they don't. They really don't get into it if, they have, if there's any risk at all because, okay, they might be walking with a hood on, but in, a lot of these seat, seat cameras are in towns and villages, so there'll be cars parked, you know, you can't, you can't walk to a village in the middle of nowhere or a town. You have to drive. So there will be a car picked up. There will be an unusual registration picked up. There'll be loads of evidence. And if you talk to the Gardaí, uh, you know, that's all they have to go on. You'll be amazed how, how well and successful
4: they yeah, are. Yeah, they've, they, they've been proven to be hugely successful. I know the last time, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about uh, rural crime, uh, Seamus, on the programme. And the issue of people not reporting rural crime. Yeah.
3: Yeah, it, well, we, we, there's a background to some of that problem. Uh, hopefully that's been corrected. I mean, some of the background is to do with the fact that uh, the Central Statistics Office, you know, had a very poor view of some of the figures were being supplied by the Gardaí, etc. Now, I think that's been corrected. So, therefore, there was a lack of confidence. Equally, in the recession, uh, the cutbacks in, in Garda numbers and Garda cars, uh, was was giving people the idea what's the point, you know. But honestly, we are saying to people, even in that time, and it hasn't proved since, but we're saying you've got to report, you've really got to report. And the idea that, oh, nothing could be done or nothing will be done, that's a fatalistic idea which allows these guys to get away with stuff which they mightn't get away. And I do have huge confidence in the guardy. i I've seen what they can do locally and uh, they need information and people should should be very quick if they've been burgled or somebody's made an attempt or has been an attempt let the guard know, at least they know there's something going on in that area
4: Okay, all right, uh, Seamus. Thank you for that. And in case we don't speak before Christmas, have a good one. And to you. And, all the uh, and uh, thanks a million for joining us. Good morning, to you. Bye bye, bye bye. That is uh, Seamus Boland, and Seamus is the chief executive of Irish Rural Link. 103 On scam callers, Kathleen in Bantry has had three scam calls from Microsoft just this morning. First one. Wait for this. Seven fifteen a.m. It actually woke her up uh, claiming something wrong with her computer. Guess what? Our Kathleen and Bantry doesn't even own a computer. She often gets scam calls about credit cards. She said scam calls about Air and uh, Microsoft um, as well. She seems to be getting a few from uh, Microsoft. If they uh, I would, as the advice I gave earlier to uh, Neil in uh, West Cork, if you continue to get them, get on to your telephone service provider to see if they have a call blocking, to see if that is an available feature. Uh, It certainly is because all of these calls are coming through on the land uh, line. So get on to them. Get onto your provider and just you're going to have to make a note of the number. If you have caller ID, obviously you're going to, be able to have to make a note of the number and uh, get onto it and see if they can set up some kind of a, a way of blocking it for you. But you have to be woken at that hour of the morning when you're in a nice uh, sleep and it's very hard then to get back to sleep afterwards 1850 Barney taking your calls text or WhatsApp 862 eight-six-two-one-zero-three-one-zero-three. The Health Information and Quality Authority HICWA has published advice to the Minister for Health to change to a more effective HPV vaccine and to extend the vaccine to boys Joining me the Director of Health Technology Assessment and Deputy Chief Executive of HICWA that is uh, Dr Mora. Um, Marion Ryan Uh, Good morning to you Marion Good morning Patricia Uh, You're you're welcome to the programme Uh, Firstly uh, Talk to me about the HPV And the dangers It presents to people Who pick up the virus
5: Yes. So HPV virus is a very common virus. Um, about 90% of us will acquire HPV infection at some stage during our lives, but most of us will clear it spontaneously. However, for the few unfortunate people where they have a sustained HPV infection, it's associated with a range of cancers. So the cancer most commonly associated with HPV infection is cervical cancer, but it also causes a subset of vulvar and vaginal cancer and also causes anogenital and penile cancer. It also causes Causes cancer of the oropharynx, which is the region at the back of the throat, and obviously that cancer occurs in both men and women. And then HPV infection as well, it, it's the most commonly transmitted sexually transmitted infection and causes anogenital warts. We have about six to seven and a half thousand cases of anogenital warts in Ireland every year. Goodness. Yeah.
4: Goodness. And and the advice now to the Department of Health is to switch to a different vaccine. Just explain what the new vaccine is and, and, and why you think it's more appropriate.
5: Sure. So we have been using what's known as the four-valent vaccine, so it protects against four strains of HPV infection and accounts for up to 70% of cases of cervical cancer. But there's a newer version of the vaccine now available, which is a nine-valent. It protects against nine strains of HPV virus and protects against up to 90% of cases of cervical cancer. So we're advising to change to the more effective vaccine.
4: And the question you probably get asked the most, uh, Marion, how safe is the vaccine?
5: Well, this assessment that we did, we looked at the best available scientific evidence all around the effectiveness and the efficacy and the effectiveness of the vaccine, but also the safety. So it's the, the most up to date analysis of all of the substantial body of evidence that's now available around safety of this vaccine. Because we've had the vaccine available and in place, a programme in place in Ireland since 2010. So worldwide, up to 240 doses of the vaccine have been administered. The safety evidence database, it includes 70,000 trial participants and 20 million individuals who received vaccination as part of observational studies. And when we analyse all of that data, what we see is that there's no increased incidence of any serious adverse event in those who receive the vaccine compared to those who receive placebo or control. So there are no serious adverse event signals associated with this vaccine.
4: And this new vaccine would be given in first year, would it the same way as the, yeah. as the older one?
5: Yeah, so the plan would be that, that the programme would very much mirror what's been available to girls. So it's two doses of the vaccine six months apart, most likely in first year.
4: Okay, um, and um, in the long run would the new, will this new vaccine save money to the health service? Obviously if we're cutting down on the number of people being diagnosed with cancers.
5: Yeah, so over a lifetime over the lifetime time perspective, um, switching from the four valent to the nine valent for girls only would actually be cost saving. Um, there's obviously upfront costs in the first years when you're giving people the vaccine because it takes up to 20 years for cancers such as cervical cancer to to um, present but over the life over a person's lifetime it would be cost saving to switch from the four valent to the nine valent version the cost of extending from the four valent in the girls to using the nine valent for both boys and girls the upfront cost of that over the first five years the budget impact is almost 12 million
4: Okay, and uh, have the Department of Health and the Minister, have they now given the go-ahead, this is going to kick in next year? Yeah,
5: so the Minister made his decision on Friday and announced that he was going to ask the HSC to implement a HPV vaccination programme for boys, and the first available opportunity to do that would be in September of next year, September 2019.
4: And would there be a campaign to encourage parents to sign their children up first? Because there had been, uh, when the HPV first came out, I think people, parents were really good about getting their girls uh, to get the vaccine. But then, of course, there was a couple of scandals or stories started doing the rounds and parents were a bit afraid.
5: That's right. So the, um, we had a very high uptake of the vaccine initially. And even up to 2014, 2015, that school year, the uptake of the vaccine was 87% in girls. But then there were concerns about safety of the vaccine in the context of a very high profile negative publicity campaign. And the uptake of the vaccine fell So by 2016, 2017, it was down at 51%. But then the HSC and the HPV Alliance, which is made up of a number of, I suppose, interested groups, including the Cancer Society, they launched a positive awareness campaign highlighting the benefits of the vaccine. And uptake last year had recovered to 65%. And the anecdotal reports from the vaccination teams for this school year, from September of this year, are that uptake has increased again since then. So we are seeing that recovery, if you like, in the uptake. of the of the vaccine.
4: Okay, all right. Uh, listen, we leave it there, Marion, Thank you for that, and thanks for joining us on the program. You're Good morning thank to you. Yeah. That Bye-bye. is uh, uh, Dr. Marion Ryan, who is the Health Technology Assessment, the Director of Health Technology Assessment, and she's also Deputy Chief Executive of HICWA with that new HPV vaccine, which will protect against nine different strains of it, and as in from September of next year, if you have uh, a son going into first year, they will be offered it, boys as well as girls. Eighteen fifty. 333103. We were talking about uh, alcohol earlier and in particular about the number of additional calories people will consume over Christmas and it could lead to a half a stone in weight. And one of the things that's been pointed out is that people, we drink more alcohol and we go out more over Christmas and alcohol is all of the wasted uh, calories. The listener says, Trish, recently I went to a tea party and to my surprise, they were serving wine. I thought that was a bit unusual at a tea party. Is that the new norm now? you can invite it to a tea party, they'll be serving chilled wine or a nice full blooded red at the same time. eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. scam calls really a lot of people are having problems with these scam calls Kathleen Mallow has been on she's also getting scam calls but the, but for, for poor old Kathleen she's a widow living on her own and she finds them very frightening and she said some of them look like a local number and that's what they do they make the numbers look like it is a local call and so when she sees what appears to be a local number uh, she answers them and she can find some of them uh, quite frightening. What I'd suggest, Kathleen, that you could do is if you got yourself, if you bought yourself an answering machine and therefore you'd be able to almost screen all of the calls, uh, you could do it two ways. You could have the answering machine and then if it's somebody genuinely locally ringing you, looking to talk to you, you, you know, they'll leave the message with their number and you can call them back or with a lot of the answering machine's you'll hear the message as it's been left and you'll be able to pick it up mid-call and say to the person, oh I just got to the call, you know, and be able to talk to them uh, that way. But yeah, it's, but it's, it's awful to think in your own home that you're kind of staring at the phone when it rings and that you're afraid to answer it because you don't know who's at the other end. So perhaps think about that, perhaps think about a, an answering machine. I'm sure it's coming up to Christmas, somebody might buy you one. 1850 Our lines are open, Bernie's taking your calls, we're Heading towards news at 11 o'clock in the next hour. People putting the wrong waste items in the wrong bin. The Environmental Protection Agency is going to join us, and we'll also have details of a new community first responders group, which is going to be set up in East Duhallow.
3: You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed.
2: With Patricia Messenger on C103. What's
6: greatest hits, C103. Ooh, ooh, ooh,
7: ooh, ooh, ooh.
6: snow is falling.
4: Jake and Stevens on C103 and Merry Christmas, everyone. Jim in Middleton contacted us to say he was at a concert at the Lock Church last night. And he said it was an excellent night. So he contacted us this morning just to say, well done to everyone that was involved in that. A concert at the Lock Church, it was a fundraiser for the South Infirmary. So, And there's a lot of really good uh, choral, choral uh, events taking place in, in churches all over the city and uh, county if you can get to one I'm always saying if you want to get the true meaning of Christmas and the true feeling of Christmas there's no place better setting I think than inside in a church with a choir singing Christmas carols there's just something I personally think there's just something magical about it so Jim thank you for that and i uh, glad to hear that you had such a lovely night so well done to everybody who was involved there I don't know what choirs were taking part or who were the singers but uh, take a bow if you were involved at the Lock Church last night and a listener has contacted us uh, what, saying happy Christmas to all, many happy returns Say, I have a super sir gas heater and it won't light anymore I'm living in the Charleville area does anybody know someone locally that fixes super sir gas heaters so a Super Sir gas heater that's no longer lighting anymore. Anybody know where they can be fixed? Is it possible to fix them? I don't know how old the Super Sir gas heater is. I don't know. Do they run their course and that's it? Are, are they fixable? And, and it's, great to think if they are, uh, it just needs a part to put into it and it gets fixed because we seem to have become a generation of, uh, we throw everything away and you know, the modern generation everything seems to be disposable and that's of course adding to our whole problem when it comes to waste, which is what we're going to be talking about uh, in this hour. So it would be great if we could get this super gas heater sorted out. As they say, this lady who contacted us is in the Charleville area so ideally somebody in the Charleville area. Uh, if you know of somebody that can fix a Super sir gas heater, if anybody can advise us on that, call us or text or WhatsApp us 0862 103, 103. We've been speaking about scam calls Well, Rose and Clonacilty was on to us to say she just got a call this morning from the visa department saying money had been taken from her account. She hung up, phoned her bank immediately and, of course, they checked her visa statement and said, no, absolutely nothing wrong with your account. No money has been fraudulently taken from it. Whoever she was speaking to in the bank explained, this is a way of sucking you into the scam and then trying to get your bank details uh, from you. And then what would have happened was Rose would have had money taken from her account and uh, she'd be fighting then to try to get it back. So well done, Rose. You acted exactly the right way. If you ever get a call like that, do not engage at all. But if you are a bit afraid that money has been taken out of your account, that's exactly what you do. You get onto your bank with a number that you trust and a telephone number that you know. When I, mean, I was talking about this only about three weeks ago, was it on, was It was on a Monday morning, I woke up to a text message that had come into my phone overnight from my bank saying that there appeared to be some fraudulent activity on my visa card and would I please contact the bank and they gave me a Dublin telephone number to contact. Now the first thing I did was I checked the telephone number rather than just ring that number back. I checked the telephone number to make sure that it was actually a number for my bank and it was. And when I got through to them it was their fraud department and they were able to tell me that overnight in New York there was two transactions. Somebody, I think, had bought a cup of coffee at my expense, and then went on to park a car, used it as a parking meter, and they were just checking to see was I in New York and had I actually used the card. And obviously, I told them no that I wasn't in New York and that I hadn't used the card. So that card got immediately had to be cancelled. I mean, that's the uh, and I had to get reissued with a new car, which is the card, which card was a bit of a pain in the butt. But anyway, at least. That's all that happened, and money wasn't taken out. And there, it's it's going to get sorted out, and the money the money that looks like on my account has been taken out, but it was only a very small amount of money. Uh, Any um, anyway, but the bank contacted me by text with a number that, as I say, I then rang them back. So just be very very wary of any call you will get like that because that's what they're trying to do. They are, as Rose's Bank explained, trying to get details from your bank account and then they'll scam as much money as they can from uh, you. Now, on Friday, we had, uh, I think it was a text in from Michael, one of our listeners, who was going on about disrespect in the church and how he had noticed In I don't know over what period of time, but certainly of late, that when you go to Mass, that before Mass and after Mass, people are talking and that the noise level inside in the church can be off-putting. For people who go along to Mass and who maybe go half an hour, 20 minutes beforehand because they want to say some prayers, are people who just call into the church during the week and want to say prayers. And Michael has noticed that people are talking very loudly, you know, in a normal speaking voice, not even whispering if you do need to say to somebody who's with you in the church. And he finds it most off-putting. And and he was wondering, did other listeners feel the same way? Uh, And also, could we sort of put it out there to say to people, you know, show a bit of respect and be conscious and aware of other people who are in the church who are there to pray, pray and, you know, would like the, would like the silence and the solitude of being in a church in their own space, praying and for, for people to think of everybody else. Um, and a listener was on to us from Mill Street saying 100% I agree with Micah. It's the very same as the church in Mill Street, the mass on Saturday night and Sunday morning mass. It is very, very Annoying, And it seems to be, according to this text, are the same people doing it all the time. Please, as Michael said to you last Friday, people like to pray. Would you show a little bit of respect? And yesterday, actually, I was thinking of Michael's comments because yesterday I was at a mass in Clamel in Tipperary. And it was one of these masses in preparation for First Holy Communion. So all the little boys and girls who are in second class in the local schools who are making their communion May of next year were going along to this special Mass. I don't know how many Masses in in total they have to go to. My instant instant reaction was, my God, how times have changed that parents now have to be forced to bring their children to these special Masses. It's the only way of getting the children into the church regularly not all of them some of the children obviously are regular church goers but a lot of the families don't go to Mass and they're just bringing their children in for First Holy Communion so the way around it is they organise these Masses where the children take part and it was a gorgeous lovely, lovely Mass and there was a beautiful priest who really came down on the level with the children was aiming a lot of what he was saying to the children and the children were up and down out of their seats and you know I had to go up onto the altar with them and, and it really was lovely but I could not believe at the end of Mass how everybody, well, a lot of people, got up to leave while the priest hadn't even left the altar rails. He'd come down from the altar rails to sort of kneel and, you know, bow in front of them, genuflect in front of the altar rails and then walk off with uh, the altar servers. And I just couldn't believe the noise level in the church. Everybody started talking to each other and, and it wasn't the children, I have to say. It wasn't the children. It was the uh, adults. But I could not believe... I felt the lack of respect that was being shown to the priest that people couldn't stand for it would be seconds for the man and his altar service you know to come down and then walk along the side and into the sacristy but everybody was walking around the church and people were talking to each other and the noise level was incredible and I thought of Michael straight away who had sent in that comment to us last uh, Friday so it seems to be quite a common occurrence in a lot of churches that as soon as as the mass before the mass and after the mass that it's kind of a free for all people can just chat away to each other and normal speaking voices not even in hushed tones you know i can accept you might want to tell somebody something in the church but surely 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 you do it in a hushed voice 185333103 uh, Bernie taking your calls. OK, some commentary coming in on Our Lady in Charleville with the Super Sir Heater. A Cork City listener says, Patricia, I would advise the person with the Super sir Heater to simply get rid of it. They're dangerous, especially if you're old and especially if the Super sir is faulty. Well, that's yeah. my... F- the fact that it's not lighting, uh, thankfully, it's not being switched on. I mean, you're, you're dealing with gas here. I absolutely would be worried that uh, if it was coming on and off but it's just it's not lighting at all for her so obviously she's not lighting and she's trying to get it uh, fixed I have no idea of how old it is but if it is a very old Super Sir maybe that is the best piece of advice but I suppose she wants to get it checked first to make absolutely uh, sure and a gas technician in in the Charleville area might be able to help fix the Super Sir John from Charleville was on to us uh, to give us the telephone number of Joe who is a gas technician and John in Charlottesville says that Joe fitted a gas cooker for him. Now, I don't know if those gas technicians work with super service as well. Maybe they do, but we'll pass on that gentleman Joe's telephone number to the lady who's contacted us. Thank you for that, John. 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103.
2: C 103 Jobs.
4: A person is wanted for housekeeping. This is in the Bohabui area. It's for cleaning, laundry and meal preparation. Horizon Roofing, they're looking for experienced roofers and labourers. It's uh, Jobs for Immediate Start. Araglin House, Bohobwe. They're looking for a kitchen assistant and a housekeeper and an experienced fast food assistant required for a busy takeaway in Bandon. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Now, according to a report from the Environmental Protection Agency, Irish households and businesses are all too often putting the wrong waste into the wrong bin. Joining me from the EPA, Stephen Tracy, who is uh, one of their senior scientists. Good morning to you, Stephen. Good morning. Uh, And uh, you're you're very welcome to the programme. Are people trying their best but are just misinformed and confused as to what should be going into what bin?
0: Um, Well, I mean, our study um, looked at what's gone into the bins in 2017 and 2018. um, And when we compare what's in there compared to what was the last time the study was run in 2008, uh, we're seeing some changes that that show that people are are changing their behaviour. So we're seeing much greater use of of, um, brown bin, for example, from households. But we're still seeing... um, Instances where we've got very high uh, contamination rates, for example, in the recycling bin, which, which damages the value of the other material in those bins, and we're also seeing um, materials in the bins that just shouldn't be there at all. So hazardous materials that are are um, are not supposed to be in in the curbside waste disposal at all.
4: What things like what paint and stuff,
0: paint and batteries and, and things like that. That's right, yeah.
4: And it's shameful to see batteries go in there because they're so. I mean, most of the supermarkets now are collecting batteries.
0: That's right, I think it's quite, the battery collection in particular is quite widespread now, so I don't think there's any real uh, awareness issue on that one, but it it is a case that we're still seeing a certain element of them in both the recycling bin and the general waste
4: bins. But good to see that you mentioned the brown bins for the organic waste, that they're proving successful.
0: Yeah, that's been a success, and I think we would say that there's still more room to go there uh, because there is um, um, still more waste, more organic waste in the residual, or the general bin than there is in the um, brown bin but I, 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 it has been a big success and organics have come down from being the number one item um, in our um, municipal waste household bins um, to the to falling behind paper and plastics down in third place
4: well done well done and single use materials uh, Stephen coffee cups for example was highlighted uh, in your report they're a big problem
0: Coffee cups was one of the issues we, we we looked at because it was something that had been um, obviously people were very aware of when we started this study uh, about two years ago now. So uh, I mean the, the results are showing, and we have results for the commercial bins rather than the, the household bins because they weren't particularly prevalent in the mm. prevalent in the household bins. But we we saw uh, in the region of fourteen thousand tons of coffee cups uh, generated annually, which is which is in you know, or around uh, 2 million a day, depending on, on the, with the weight of the cups. So it's quite a quite a substantial number. I think this kind of single-use material, uh, the EPA's message would be, you know, it doesn't need to be generated uh, in the first place. So if we can use reusable uh, vessels instead, we don't generate that waste. We don't use the energy used to to, to generate that waste. Then. And it's uh, better all around right, both from a waste and a, and a climate perspective.
4: And are many of those coffee cups recyclable?
0: Uh, generally not easily recycled um, I mean some things are technically recyclable but practically not and I think coffee cups would generally fall into that uh, category because they have a, they're a composite material, they're, they're, they're largely paper but there is a lining of plastic in it which makes it impossible to separate the materials it's very difficult at any rate
4: And that goes back, that's one of the ones where all of us need to, to do something about it by if you are into getting takeaway coffees every day you bring your cup with you
0: Exactly, yeah. And you save you, you money as well because most of the coffee shops these days give you a discount for, for using your own cup.
4: Yeah, I was even in a garage the other day and I saw it in the, in the garage forecourt. They were, it was 20 cent off if you, if you bring your own uh, cup uh, with you. Because, Stephen, we're drowning in plastics. I mean, how do we solve the problem of our plastic waste? Well,
0: plastic. I mean, there is a number of ways, obviously, that we have to tackle it. But plastic is definitely the highlight in here, as being the the biggie, the biggest uh, increase in in terms of the household waste bins, in particular. We we, we saw it go from uh, about twenty three percent of the of the residual bin up to nearly thirty percent, um, and that had an increase in the other bins as well. So it, it it is a big issue. I think I think with plastic, we have to look at it from first of all, our prevention side, similar to what I was saying with the coffee cups. We just Try not to generate the waste in the first place, and that, and that's around reducing packaging and recycle, and, uh, and 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 um, yeah, I mean, uh, better design products as well is going to come into this as well under the circular economy package that the EU is is is, is leading out on. So I think that's going to be one aspect, uh, but also the recyclability, and that's something that we have to improve on as well. Uh, at the moment, we're seeing that only about um, uh, something like seventy percent of of our of our um, Packaging material, plastic material, isn't in the, um, isn't in the recycling list. So there's only about that amount of it that can be recycled at the moment. So, so I think one of the things we're going to have to do is try and, uh, on the design side, we we'll, we we'll have to use materials that are easier to recycle. But mm. on the uh, on the recycling side, uh, we'll have to get more materials that we can, we, that we can on on the list that we can actually recycle afterwards.
4: You mentioned, and it's highlighted in the report, the contamination of recycled items. So this is people who are have their recycling bin and and there's items going in there then that just contaminates everything in the bin, is it?
0: This is it. It's, it's a combination of, of, that's called cross-contamination, or but also contaminated products themselves, so people don't empty out and clean um, uh, materials before they put them into the recycling bin. So we did see a big increase over over almost all materials in the recycling bin between the two thousand and eight survey and the latest survey, which is a bit of a surprise, really. Uh, so, so there is a, a behaviour has gotten worse in that respect. Um so, I think I think that's that's a big issue. I mean, particularly. Even things like nappies finding that in the recycling bin. I mean, it wasn't a, a, a huge part, but even one nappy makes a, causes huge damage to the yeah. particular paper and cardboard that might be in those bins. And the possibility then of being able to recycle what else is in there if they if they become contaminated with other
4: materials. Such a shame. Such a shame. Well, And then the actual cleaning of the items that you place into the recycling bin. I mean, how clean does the item have to be?
0: I think it was a very good uh, suggestion that, 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 that I heard it recently that, these materials, if you would, if you wouldn't be happy to put them on your sitting room floor, then they shouldn't be going in the recycling bin. <laughs> so you, you need, they need to be clean, dry, and loose, and that's and that's how we achieve uh, the possibility of recycling these materials. It is it is a it is an important point here, and I think that's something that this this um, study really threw up was the the issue with recycling materials once they become contaminated is is really difficult.
4: But overall, I mean, are we getting better when it comes to recycling? I mentioned earlier you were coming on and uh, a listener was making the point that her children, when they were all in primary school, were in the green school projects and that they're now all gone on to third level and they, they still are as good at recycling because they remembered everything. They've carried it through with them into adulthood, which I think is terrific. I mean, we've got a generation coming up who understand better than the previous generation.
0: Yeah, it's true, and I, I think I think that 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 will that will uh, will show itself over the years to come. I think w- what we have seen is is a bit of a stagnation in recycling. I think that's the point. We made a lot of progress over the last ten to fifteen years, but in the last three to four years, in particular, we we sort of plateaued. Uh, so our municipal recycling rate is has, has is, is around the forty-one percent mark, which is which has been there for the last uh, uh, four to six years. So it it is. Um, it is something where we've got to a certain point, and I think that's been great. But but we need to go further. And and what we need to do from the, what this study is pointing out to us really is, is areas where we can target in order to make that next step. Because we're we're looking at, at um much 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 tougher uh, targets coming from the circular economy package from Europe. We're talking about sixty five percent municipal um, waste recycling by twenty thirty. You know, and um, so this is a this is a, a long way to go from where we are at the moment. Even even the twenty twenty targets, the fifty percent are going to be very tough to, to meet. Um, with uh, with the stagnation I guess of the progress that's been made uh, in the past 10 years.
4: Okay Lucy, one of our listeners by text says uh, Hi Patricia, would you ask, uh, your expert or expert by the way is uh, Stephen Tracy senior scientist with the EPA what about tissue paper and table napkins, what bin should they go into? Well
0: tissue paper is going to be contaminated so realistically that can't be that can't be recycled in the recycling bin Um that is that is something that we actually spot, came across in the commercial bins in particular that there was 10 percent uh tissue paper um in the in the um non-household bin so this is a, a huge a huge increase it's not something we that stuck out to that degree in the past uh, and we think this is probably down to um increased use and particularly in washrooms and in canteens and kitchens you know there were that for health reasons, I guess, as much as anything else, people aren't using uh, no washable materials so much anymore. Uh, and that's why we're seeing such a big increase in tissue paper. But that, that's again, and that's a single use item, you know. Um, and, and realistically, because of the contamination, it's not going to be easily re- recycled. It'll be, end up being incinerated or landfilled.
4: So we've got to try and somehow in, and uh, move away from it. And we're coming into Christmas, Stephen. A lot of waste packaging over the next few weeks.
0: Yeah, we've traditionally seen that uh, a big increase in packaging over the Christmas season. And I think, you know, there's things people can do. You know, I mean, obviously, one of the things you can look at, you know, giving people experiences rather than presents, you know, uh, the prevention aspect there. So people have a lot of stuff already. Maybe they don't need more. Stuff, but if you get things like you know yoga classes or, or 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 you know vouchers and this kind of thing, it can it can uh, reduce the amount of packaging waste. But even when you when you do have packaging, obviously people are going to wrap things. But just have a think about the material, the wrapping papers you're using. The file back materials are composite and very difficult to to recycle. So try and reduce what you use, uh, and, and make sure that what you do use is recyclable and put it in the recycling bin when when, when Christmas is, has has come to an end. I think that there's a lot of little things people can do around Christmas. The other thing around Christmas obviously is food waste can be a big issue and uh, so it's it's where people maybe thinking in advance about what you might do with your leftovers and you know the turkey curry or the, or the ham sandwiches and that kind of thing.
4: And also when you're heading out to buy that huge shop that we all do on Christmas week stop and think how much of it you actually need and how much of it is going to be you can still use a couple of days after Christmas.
0: Yeah, and just think, you know, if it's, if it's, it's not just, it's not just the waste that's costing you money, you know, if you, if you can't use it. So, so just think. Think, if you think about what you'll actually need and what you can use and, and try to reduce your your, your um, purchases of materials that don't get used in the end. Because you do, you do, we do see a lot of even package waste in these bins as well, you know, that has just never been used.
4: I remember a few years ago talking to, it was a bin man contacted the programme. He was saying one of, the, it was one of the German retailers had an offer on, they were nearly given pineapples the way they were so cheap on a special offer in the run up to Christmas. And he said every single bin that they collected had full of pineapples. People bought them because they were cheap and then didn't use them.
0: Yeah, uh, this is the problem and that's, and that's something that, that we need to move away from as a country the, the kind of uh, two for one and yeah. the kind of, you know extra buy more than we need basically uh, and I think that's something that people are more aware of I think we, we did see a reduction in the organic food waste in the bin so I think it is something that in the last 10 years people have become more aware of but obviously there's still a ways to go on, on the food waste issue Okay
4: Alright listen Stephen we leave it there thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us on the programme this morning Thank you. Good morning to you. That is uh, Stephen Tracy, who is with the Environmental Protection Agency and a senior scientist. Put the right items in the bin, please. 1850 Bernie, taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 uh, 103. Tim, having listened to my interview with uh, Stephen Tracy, the senior scientist with the Environmental Protection Agency, says wrong interviewee says our Tim. We should hear from a recycling company, not somebody in a lab or an office. Well, in fairness, uh, Tim, the Environmental Protection Agency, the EPA. They conducted this study. They were the ones who looked into the bins for the people from the recycling company and they, the business bins, and they looked in to check what we were doing and, and not doing, doing, doing right and wrong, and that that's how they came out with the figures that almost seventy percent of the contents of bins for Irish businesses, for example, are simply in the wrong bin. So, uh, so I don't know. I I thought it was worth. I thought we did the right interview in that to get to try to get down to what's happening in our bins. Um, and, tried to, and they had done a previous study 10 years previously, so they were able to compare, were we getting better, were we getting worse, what are we getting good at, what are we not good at, and then trying to get the message out uh, to people of what we all need to do to make sure that while we're trying to do our best, that we really are doing our best. Because I do think, even though putting a nappy into a recycling bin, I, I, you would like to think that somebody did that in error, wouldn't you? You would hate to think that somebody deliberately did that got their dirty nappies and put them in on top of all the recycling uh, items. But even the thing about washing out your recycled items, I mean, I always do my best to try to wash it out. Maybe I'm not washing it out properly and because of that, there's cross-contamination. So I do think it was worth having the EPA on the programme. But, Tim, thank you for your text, oh eight six. To 103, 103. Now, a group of civic-minded people have decided to get together to set up the East to Hollow Community Responders Group. To inform people in the area about this new group, a public meeting is going to be held in the Quinn Hall in Kentuck tomorrow night at half past seven. Tim Noonan is one of those involved and he joins me. Good morning to you, Tim. Good morning, uh, you well, you're, I'm um, very well. You're welcome to the programme. OK, first of all, I suppose, just outline and remind people what community first responders actually do. Well,
8: basically, it is that when the National Ambulance Service get a call, a 99 call, that there's someone in bother needing assistance and they determine whether it is cardiac assistance or whatever. And if it is cardiac or stroke um, assistance they need, they'll dial or get in contact with what we call we will be up and running hopefully in the new year and we would have people on call 24 out of 7 and we'd be, as the ambulance service might be able to make contact with the people for maybe an hour or maybe more people, we would have all done career, um training and we'd be sent for and we'd respond, we'd be hopefully we'd be based within about 10 to 7 kilometres of where we'd be Oh, it's cover, right? And you know, always covering basically from Dankeer, from Karlovac, all the no on the matter. That general area around ten talk.
4: And that's what the National Ambulance Service do. They know where all the community first responders are, so they'll be able to pinpoint that group is nearest. Yes, they ring really it. Yes. De- like this, somebody then will have an on-call phone. Is it?
8: That's right. They, they basically, we hope they be two on call all time, and they have an on call phone and the National Ambulance Service, they didn't touch that with us and hopefully that we'd be able to be there before and give assistance to the person that's in need and also maybe that the person that's after making the call you know, the family the member or whatever, they also need assistance
7: You
8: of know course they need to know it didn't, well, they have the person that's obviously that's in trouble dude but maybe the person that's in the house or whatever, they someone to turn up and be there with them it's a big help
4: as well. like While you, while they're waiting for the, the ambulance, ambulance, ambulance. Or, the, or, the, or the paramedic to uh, to arrive. Yes, yes. 24-7 yes, uh, Tim, that's a huge commitment.
8: Well, recently there, a uh, group of us, about 14 to 20 of us, done their they actually have their training and we've decided that we'll go forward and we have been in contact with the National Ambulance service and they were willing to batch us, but as a part of going forward, they asked us to have this public meeting and let people know who we are and what we're planning to do,
7: okay.
8: just in face that if you let a call, never <laughs> you that your neighbour arrives here and it's unreliable.
4: And you're, it's wondering, you're wondering why, <laughs> Timmy, what are you doing at the door? I've just dialed 999. Uh, yeah.
8: yes, yes, yes. We might we might have another person getting
4: a half chance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and from your own point of view, Tim, why did you decide to go forward? Well,
8: I just decided... The training was being done to let people know uh, basically first aid and how to use fibler and this thing and you know, whatever. And we decided look, to give something back to someone else, to be, you know, look, we're not, uh, devout about the ambulance service and devout about this and devout about that, but if we all set back and do nothing, you know, maybe try to do something for someone else, you know, yeah. basically.
4: You know? And we can't all have an ambulance parked outside our door when we need it. And if no, we, if, no. you know, if we live in rural areas, this, you know, it's one of the, you could say the downsides living in rural area. There's always going to be a delay in getting an emergency service to you, and that's where the community first responders come in. That's
8: right, and that hopefully, like this, um, anyone that will be done will have a defibrillation defib- 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 and whatever the door if they to maybe someone arriving within ten minutes or half an hour, it would might make a difference between life and
4: death. it absolutely will. You will save lives and lives have been saved by community first responders.
8: Yes, yes. And uh, look, if we and a small thing, if everyone used small thing maybe we might be able to, you know, turn forward, keep tin over.
4: Well done, well done. And you have how many in the group do you reckon? Well we the boards of 15,
8: 18 trained, we uh, are all willing to, 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 to stay on them so far and be, be available, you know. But yeah. like if, if, if there be two on call every night, obviously we will need more than, than what we have, but like we only on call probably once a fortnight or something like yeah. that once we get up and running, you
4: know. And, and then the, obviously the idea when the group is up and running, you will be open to new members who'd like to come along and get trained up.
8: Yes, yes, we look for new members, office as we get up and running, and what we're doing tomorrow night is let people know what we're about and who they are, and that anyone that wants to join us was more than welcome, right? You
4: know? Is there a cost involved in setting up a first responders group?
8: Well, there would be some small bit of a cost, but we actually have a lot of local business and people interested that will fund us once, we're, once we'll once be getting up and running. It wouldn't cost an awful lot, you know, I'd say maybe two to two and a half thousand would get it up and running that's the bad it and maybe buy two phones but we have um, business people in the North Northcourt area and can talk places that are willing to put their hand in their pocket is brilliant? Even before we even before we went out there you know we have been in contact with a share of people and we've been in contact with um, um, the government group in court and uh, whatever and there is a lot of people that are willing to put their hand in their pocket and uh,
4: sponsor us that's fantastic, isn't it?
8: Yeah, yeah. So we're not really well we will we'll be looking down forward, we might be looking for donations, yes.
4: but, but as of morning, now, as, as of as now. of now
8: we won't there is people willing to to back us.
4: Okay, so you're going to be in the Adelquin Hall in talk tomorrow night at half seven.
8: That's right, yeah, and all is welcome to And
4: this. you're just going to outline who you are, what you're and up to
8: And what yeah, and basically what we what area we been covering because Listel and Venice are are up and running so we won't be overlapping,
4: so yeah. we're
8: moving back towards west, you know, the here, from Tar of That's that site, to you the know, backlight, you know, maybe 17 kilometres based out of Tantor, you know. Where there whatever.
4: isn't, a, where there isn't first responders at the moment? No, there's
8: not no. in that general direction at the moment. There's nothing no. back that way at the moment, so we'll be hoping that we'll get up and running the new year.
4: And, what was, and the, th- what was the training like, Tim?
8: It was very interesting, you
4: know, is
8: there was two guys at the bottom from Charles, that in, in, are, there are paramedics and, They were very, it was really interesting. Now, you know, I wouldn't have known how to use it if it were,
4: but, you know, just,
8: everyone should know how to use it. Yeah.
4: Yeah, and actually tomorrow i am just been told we're going to be speaking with uh, a man whose uh, life was saved by a defibrillator so I mean we know we know these defibrillators have saved lives and will yeah. save lives and it always annoys me when I hear of and every now and again it happens when I hear of uh, defibrillators being vandalised I mean the, the stupid oh, yeah, gorriers that, that do it that, you, you are that ne- that because yeah, really. you never know when they themselves or a family member will be in need of one of these defibrillators and it can and they are the difference between life and Yes. So listen, keep in contact with us, uh, Tim, and uh, and good luck with it. And thank you very much. And, and thanks, thank a, thanks, a million for joining us. Okay, thank you. Bye, 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 bye. Tim Noonan, there, one of the group involved in setting up the East to Hollow Community Responders Group. If you want to find out more. Del Quinn Hall in Cantor tomorrow night at half past uh, seven and, uh, and listening to Tim there they particularly would welcome new members as well if you'd like to go along and get trained up uh, on it but for everybody else just to let you know that there will be a community first responder or group up and running in that area of East Dohollow good luck to all involved 1850 333 103 and a text that says congratulations to Moornaby ladies football team on winning their all Ireland final well done girls well deserved Uh, the match played at 5.15 on the 8th of December sure it was utter madness Asher You had to give way, says the texter, for the Men's Leinster Club final played yesterday. Two ladies matches played in Parnell Park on Saturday night because ours was the first match. Not even a recording of the national anthem was played. Disgraceful. I pitied the teams playing at 7.30 in an absolute downpour. Health and safety not even considered the ladies board boards will have to speak up more. I, I remember when that got announced that those two matches were happening on the 8th of December in Parnell Park and people were saying the 8th of December going to Dublin are, they, are we off our heads? And people were really saying, this is crazy and why wasn't it on the Sunday and it's traditionally on the Sunday and when we got it checked I'm sure, now. I John Paul isn't here today but I, I get this confirmed with him when he's back tomorrow. I'm sure we were told that the reason for it was to do with televising it. Wasn't it to do with TG Cahar? We're going to be televising with the matches televised. I'm sure it was something to do uh, with that but let's not take from the great win of Mornabi ladies and their all Ireland uh, Win. Congratulations, girls. And I know someone else was on as well. Congratulations to Mornabi, who won the All Ireland on Saturday. Charlie and uh, Jimmy Duggan, and all in Whelan, GAA, wanting to say well done to the Mornabi ladies. Congratulations. I'm sure the celebrations are still ongoing. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are
3: currently closed.
1: The street smell and eyes full of tinsel and fire. They sold me a dream of Christmas. They sold me a silent night. They told me a fairy story till I believed in the Israelite. And I believed in Father Christmas. And I looked to the sky with excited eyes. Then I woke with a yawn in the first light of dawn. And I saw him through his
7: disguise. I wish you a great new
1: year All anguish, pain and sadness Leave your heart and let your road be clear They said that he snowed Christmas They said that be peace on earth Hallelujah, Noel, be held on that Christmas we, get, we deserve
4: Greg Lake on C103 and I believe in Father Christmas. Now, lots of commentary coming in on a variety of different issues. Let's catch up with some of your comments. But before we do that, uh, Michael Sullivan, in Castletown Bear has sent in a text saying on behalf of the Irish Community Air Ambulance that he's very, very involved uh, with the Rapid Response Group. They want to thank everybody who supported their Christmas uh, dance night which was on in the Bearer Coast on Friday night. And Michael says, brilliant night of dance. To the hotel, the staff, to everybody who contributed in every way. Too many to mention all, but a big, big thank you to all those who gave raffle prizes. Thank you to Martin Carney and Derek Kennedy, they provided the music to all of us here at C103 uh, for our air time. Listen, that's the, that, that's what we're here for. Uh, also, a very special thanks to the sixth class in Castletown Bear National School who presented Michael with a cheque for €1,000 for the Irish Community Air Ambulance. They had a bazaar during the week. Isn't that a terrific sum of money for a sixth class, for one little class in Castletown Bear National School? Absolutely brilliant. Well done. Special thanks to the children and to their teachers. And that's from Michael in Castletown Bear. Thank you for that, Michael, who also... Brings up a different topic, and I would certainly be interested in your thoughts on this. This was on something that broke over the weekend I know I heard about it anyway let me bring you Michael's comment and uh, if you want to comment on this please do Patricia says Michael it was shocking to read the statement from the former British International Development Secretary Priti Patel that Britain should threaten Ireland with food shortages over Brexit and the backstop and the Irish border I would like to remind her there is no Irish border but there is a British border in Northern Ireland We have no borders. We are an independent state. They don't have to give or not give food to to us, the Irish. We always have had our own food. But in 1845 and onwards, during the famine caused by the British, taking our food by force and starving our nation. These dumb, uneducated people should not be given a microphone. Oh, strong words, Michael. They are dangerous people. Thank God for our independence. Now, I did see these. Thank you for that, Michael. I did see these comments by the British Conservative MP Pretty Patel over the weekend. And Michael is right. She did suggest that the UK should use the potential of food shortages in Ireland as leverage against the backstop been introduced. A report from the British government detailed on Friday in the, the Times of London it suggested that Ireland could face worse food shortages than Britain in the, this is in the event of a no deal Brexit. The report went on to suggest that Ireland would likely see a drop in GDP of about 7% against a figure of 5% in the United Kingdom. Now there was a lot of people over the weekend uh, who came out kicking and screaming about this and really were not impressed with uh, Pretty Patel. Now she did kind of roll back a little bit on her comments over the weekend because there was such an amount of uh, criticism for suggesting that there would be food shortages in this country. And it was very much seen as a threat. I know one of the tweets that she came out with afterwards was, she says, it is clear my comments on no deal have been taken out of context by some. We should go back to Brussels and get a better deal. There is still time. Let's take back control of borders, laws and uh, money. That's what, she, that's what she came out with afterwards. And that's when she faced a lot of criticism. But I don't know, you know where she says her comments were taken out of context because she clearly said that the potential of food shortages in Ireland should be used as uh, leverage. So I don't know how you take from that that it was taken out of context. Anyway, I can see by Michael's text, it is hugely annoyed, uh, Michael. So your thoughts welcomed on that. And of course, tomorrow is a big day when it comes to Brexit. So we will be returning uh, to this issue tomorrow on the programme. But I certainly would welcome your thoughts and uh, comments on what the former British International Development Secretary. Now, a Conservative uh, MP, Priti Patel, what she had to say. Uh, and did you see it as a threat? Or are you with Priti Patel? that people picked up her comments wrong. 1850, On the issue of chatting in the church and people talking too loudly when they attend mass or other church services. Mary says, morning Patricia. On the issue of mass, I go to Hay Church. I used to go to the 11.30 Mass in the morning. But the talking at the back of the church was just so bad. I then changed to the 8.30 Mass. Still the same. These people chatting at the back of the church. They should stay at home and not be making a mockery of the church. I'm surprised that the priest doesn't say something. I wonder if that ever happened. Has anybody ever been at Mass or at a church service where the priest has actually said... Could you all stop talking? Could you tone it down a little bit? And Tim says, Patricia, I've come across the same problem with people talking behind me at mass. And these are grown adults. They're not children. These are adults who should have more sense and they also should have more respect. I I would have no problem asking what I see as very ignorant people to go outside the door if they want to talk, says Tim. And I wonder, have you ever done that? Have you actually turned around and said to somebody, can you please be quiet? you know, I'm trying to pray here. You know, I'd like a little bit of peace and quietness. If you want to chat, go chat outside to the door, please. Okay, some of your, there's some of your WhatsApps coming in. Thank you for that. Let me look at some of your texts that have come into uh, the programme. It is an interesting one. Hi, Patricia. I thought it was an absolute disgrace that half the shops in Bandon Town were closed yesterday. Second last Sunday coming up to Christmas and they are the shop owners that will complain how hard it is to survive in business. I ended up going into Cork as I felt Bandon was very disappointing. There was no atmosphere whatsoever on Bandon's main street yesterday. Did anybody else notice uh, the same uh I know. I don't know how many shops in Bandon decided to open, and how many shops decided to close. I know when we mentioned present time in Mallow, put a sign up, and have still got a sign up in their window saying that uh, as as a mark of respect to their staff they've decided not to open on the Sundays coming up to Christmas they're open for the other six days of the week but they felt that their staff needed a day off and I'm wondering is it the same with some of those shops that you're talking about in Bandon I mean it could be it, it could be two things it could be that could be the first one that they've decided, no, we want to allow our staff time off because they need to prepare for Christmas. They need to spend time uh, with their families. Or also, it could be a case of small businesses where they don't have the additional staff to cover seven days of the week. I mean, many of the smaller shops and you know, independent stores are running on very tight margins and they can't always afford to have additional staff. I mean, if you're, for example, a one man band and and that that does happen, that's and particularly in the smaller shops where it might be one person on their own. We can't expect somebody to be open from nine to six seven days of the week and I know people say it's only for the month of, of December but you know somebody will head to burnout so there could be a variety of reasons why the shops didn't close I mean I'm sure they're just not opening on Sunday because they don't want your business they definitely want your business we are constantly on about shopping local and encouraging people to support their local shops and businesses particularly at this time of the year in, in the run up to Christmas so I don't think there's any business out there is saying I'm going to close on Sunday because I don't want your business they do want your business. So I don't know how many other shops have decided to close but I'm just throwing it in there. I'm assuming that that could be the reason they maybe just didn't have the staff or else they want to allow their staff to have time off and that been open six days a week is enough. 1850 333 103. Your thoughts uh, welcomed on that. Tim has been back. Tim had text earlier, was criticising the fact when I did the interview with the Environmental Protection Agency and said that I, did, I was interviewing the wrong person that I should have had somebody on from a recycling company and I explained I wanted to discuss the research that they had uh, conducted. Well, Tim is back saying, what I meant to convey was that different collection companies have different rules. The last instruction Tim said that he had from his bin provider um, was that they, are, they accept glass in the recycling bin. Other companies have separate bins. Yeah, the company I use, I've, I I do have curbside collection for glass, but I have glass in a glass bin, you know, that gets collected every three months. Um, I was unaware that any company was allowing you to put glass into the recycled bin. I'm just thinking, God, how dangerous is that for when they're separating? Anyway, Tim says, you know, making the point that different companies have different rules. Uh, and therefore Tim if I, if I was to go down that route then to have the recycling the bin collection companies on I'd have to do an interview with each individual one if each of them uh, were different but you are raising the issue of confusion there certainly is confusion out there amongst the general public as to what you can recycle and what you can't and I think I mean looking at this EPA report and the amount of contamination in the recycling bins because I hand on heart think the majority of us are trying to do our best and we're trying to make sure we are recycling the best way possible and I just think we get confused I think we are putting the wrong things into the wrong bins and then you know I suppose what we should do is if in doubt you know leave it out don't put it in certainly into the recycling bin but then you hate the idea of everything going into the municipal waste and that everything's going to go for landfill. But I suppose rather than hear about the cross-contamination of the recycled items, if you're in doubt, put it into the general waste instead. Maybe that's a, a good rule of thumb. But I think the bin companies need to start doing more to let us all know exactly what we should and shouldn't be putting into our bins but thank you Tim always a pleasure to hear from you on 0862 103 103. and here's on a completely different issue Sheila says Patricia now I don't know why Sheila sending this in maybe it was to do with us talking about alcohol earlier on Sheila says I bought the lullaby milk when shopping at the weekend and I have to say says Sheila it's really good I took it before I went to bed and I have to say I had this lovely relaxed feeling come over me I met a lady at the checkout and uh, they obviously got to discuss why Sheila was buying the lullaby milk to give it a try to see would it help her sleep She said the woman at the checkout said she would prefer a hot whisky uh, Yeah and you do hear of people having a I don't know about a hot whiskey. Do you hear, well you do hear of people having a drink before they go to bed I mean I think the health experts would say not the greatest habit to get into every night but if you're only having one I suppose it's it's, it's okay Wasted calories Sheila if that's what you're talking about when we were talking about calories earlier on but yes I've heard from the, the lullaby milk because they milk the cows at night isn't it and it's to do with the melatonin levels which help us um, the, which help us sleep Um that that's higher. The sleep hormone is higher in the cows. Obviously it's nice because the cows are about to go off to sleep as well and, and relax and, and it get transferred over in the milk. I've certainly heard never, I haven't used it myself but then touch wood and I'm lucky I'm one of those people that I don't have an issue. I hit, my head hits the pillow and I'm asleep. I'm one of those people that can go to sleep very, very quickly. Thank God and long may long may that last. I mightn't stay asleep for the full night but certainly getting to sleep has never been an issue for me and I have heard people use that lullaby milk and I've heard parents use it for children that have difficulty getting children off to sleep and there has been great reports on it. So good to know Sheila they're not saying it'll work for everyone but it certainly is great that it is working for you and long may that continue. We were talking about scams earlier on and scam calls and I'll be very careful with your visa card and somebody already had a phone call this morning saying that there had been fraudulent activity on her visa card but she did all the things right she contacted the bank who said no no fraudulent activity at all and um, so we worked out that that was a scam listen to this one Texter says had a piece of furniture for sale and I put it up on Dundee. Lo and behold, I was contacted by email by somebody called Kyle saying he wanted to buy the piece of furniture but wanted to have it shipped to London. He was paying me by PayPal but today, lo and behold, an email arrived asking me to pay €500 through Western Union to the company coming to collect the furniture. And the sting would be, or he, you know, Kyle will say, I'll then add that 500 euro to the courier company that's going to arrive to your door. I'll add that to your PayPal and it'll all be hunky dory. But this texter got suspicious straight away because the name was different on today's email and the country of payment. Suddenly it moves from London in the United Kingdom. It moves to the Ukraine scams going on everywhere I I have heard of that on a lot of those buy and sell you do have to be very careful if somebody like that from overseas suddenly looks to buy something and that particular modus operandi that's the way it works the start of it when they're sucking you in it all looks like yes I want to buy it I have no problem paying to have it shipped to London everything looks above board and then coming close to the time that everything's going to happen this there's a slight change. Oh, and there's usually a great story going with it. So if you pay the Western Union to the company and then I'll give you, say you were selling the piece of furniture for 500 euro, you pay the 500 to the company to collect the furniture and then I'll put a thousand euro into your PayPal. Remember it was done with cheques when cheques were being sent and people put the cheque into the bank in good faith and it might have taken five days for you to work out that the cheque was, was a dud check. And of course when you initially lodge it into your account you don't know that the check is is a fake check and then you only find out five days later and at that stage you have sent money away you d- you have to be so so careful and it's awful because by our nature we like to be trusting and we just we have to remember that not everybody will be as trusting and there are con artists and criminals and thieves out there so well done, well done Um figuring that out and uh, maybe have a bit of balance with the person over email Maybe pretend you've paid money and just work, you know, just see how far they go and what lengths they go to. But string them out because by you sending emails over and back, nothing's going to happen. They're not going to get any money out of you. Give them no, absolutely no details at all of bank accounts. And of course, do not pay anything into uh, Western Union, which can I say on the Western Union, which is a great company if you want to transfer money to somebody overseas and all of that. I'm hearing too many times of people being scammed by paying money into Western Union. Now, it isn't Western Union itself, but it seems once you pay the money into Western Union and the person at the other end has taken the money out, that's it. It's gone completely. You have no way of getting your money back, and there's no paper trail to the person who picked it up at the other other side. Surely, surely at this stage because that's been used, that type of scam has been used all over the world. Surely Western Union as a company. And as, you know, a legitimate company, you know, that lots of people use to transfer money if you have loved ones living uh, overseas. And I know certainly a lot of people who have come to Ireland to work who are sending money home and it always reminds me of the way uh, you know generations ago when Irish people went over to America went over to England and they sent money home to keep the family going back home that now of course is happening with many people coming from different countries to work here and they send money home and a lot of them send money home Western Union so you know it's a great way to do it but, they, but con artists have copped on and realised that they can also get money shipped through Western Union. And they just, they're, I can never understand why there isn't a paper trail to work out where the money actually ended up and once you've put the money into Western Union that's it it is uh, gone but well done to that texter who very very quickly spotted and re- realised they were about to get sucked into a scam be very careful 1850 333 Bernie taking your calls text or WhatsApp 0862
2: 103 The C103 Cork Diary
4: With Cork County Council Supporting businesses Supporting
5: communities Serving Cork Visit Cork Coco
4: Now the Graffiti Theatre Group are inviting young playwriters aged 14 to 19 to take part in a series of mentored workshops to see their work go from page to stage. For the Cork Midsummer Festival. You need to apply by email, though, by this Friday, the 14th of December. Graffitipp at gmail.com, that's the address. Bandon Flower and Garden Club, they're presenting a flower arranging evening called The Spirit of Christmas. It'll be in the Munster Arms uh, tonight at 8 pm. Christmas arrangements will be on sale on the night. Mould wine and mince pies will be served. Mallow ICA are holding a Christmas floral demonstration. That's happening this evening, 8 o'clock. They're in the social services hall. All are welcome. And Sean and Noreen McSweeney of Clodagh Trimalee. Will have their Christmas lights displayed up to and including January the eighth. They're raising funds for the local West for local West Cork charities and also for Marymount Hospice. And their lights, their house will be lit tonight. So please come along and support. Bethany Bereavement Group are holding a talk on how to survive Christmas while coping with a loss. It's by Eileen Ross. It'll be in the Hibernian Hotel tomorrow night at 8. It's a free event and all are welcome. And McCroom Community will hold a Christmas market in the town square. It's from 9am tomorrow morning. Large variety of stalls available. Gifts and treats for everyone. Please ask to support. Now just a couple of uh, comments still coming in to us. Mary in Mallow. On the roundabout, at Annabella Mallow says the traffic coming from the Limerick side is going much too fast when they drive onto to the roundabout. It is an accident waiting to happen. Young drivers have absolutely no thought for the elderly and are also and other people that are using the roads. There's changes for people who... Um, don't drive on that roundabout or from outside of the area. They changed the layout of the roundabout and they now allow people where where one of the lanes you could only turn left. They now allow people to go across from the Limerick side to go across at the roundabout and speed has become an issue. I know there's been a few tips on the roundabout and I think there was people getting used to it. Thought it had all calmed down a little bit because it's a very, very busy roundabout. Uh, I didn't realise that there's still an issue with speed uh, on it. I thought, uh, as I say, I know when they changed changed the layout, there was certainly some minor tips more than anything. I don't think there was any serious accident on it. But Mary reckons it is an accident waiting to happen. Have other people noticed that uh, as well? Um, what's your email address, please? Says a texter, patricia at c103.ie. Patricia at c C103.ie. Talking in mass, says a texter. One day, says this texter, I turned around and I looked at the two people, obviously two people sitting behind, chatting away, having a good old matter at mass. This is, this is, I turned around and I looked them both straight in the eye. Didn't say anything. You could just imagine the death stare. So I turned and just glaring at two men, two women, a man and a woman, whoever it was. And guess what? It stopped. Oh, I'd say they were mortified. I'd say they were mortified. Thank you for your comment on recycling. Colette in Kinsale says Transition Town Kinsale Transition Town Kinsale have organised two events on educating the public as to what goes into the recycling bin and what doesn't. Of course, Plastic Free Kinsale has been great to raise awareness and recently won an award for their effort and that's from Killette messaging us from Kinsale. I, I remember back in the summer there was a group, I don't know if it was Trans, Transition Town Kinsale, we might check out this group. I was watching some YouTube posts. I think they've gone up on Facebook and they were going through you know, there was two girls, two women at a table and they were showing what you could recycle, what you couldn't recycle. And actually I learned so much and they were a local group. I remember John Paul was going to great lengths to try to track them down. I don't know if it's one and the same group, but we'll we keep we will see if we can reach out a feeler to transition town can I'd love to have a chat with somebody and maybe go through some of the items that can and can't be recycled dispel some of the myths myths, and basically educate people just tell us what we can put into the bin and what we can't put into the bin so thank you uh, for that Colette I'll see if I can look into it and someone says dear God do people ever stop complaining talking at mass no atmosphere in Bandon Town what is wrong with people moan 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 it's Christmas for God's sake the season of goodwill says Anne by WhatsApp to 0862 103 103 who is full of festive cheer and that is terrific uh, and long, long may it continue. 1850 103 we will be by the way giving giving advice um, we have Jennifer O'Callaghan filling in for Annalise Drussell our nutritional therapist uh, today and Jennifer is offering advice on healthy tips coming into the uh, Christmas uh, season and that's coming up in a couple of minutes if you have a nutritional question. For Jennifer get it into Bernie or you can text or WhatsApp me straight to the studio 0862 103 103 I've been asked to give a mention to Cork's number one Celtic supporters club they had a weekend trip to Glasgow to see the seven in a row Champions Celtic 5-1 victory over Kilmarnock seeing Celtic return back to top of the league over 40 members went over from the club which is based at the Ferry Army in Passage West and Sean Spillane messaging me to say a mighty crack had by at all thank you for your text to 0862 103, 103. now doing our nutritional slot this week is Jennifer O'Callaghan uh, fitting in for our regular nu- nutritional therapist Annalise Drussell good afternoon to you Jennifer Hi Patricia, how are you? I'm very well and you're, and you're welcome to the programme. I was only talking earlier about safe food, uh, warning everyone to be very careful over Christmas and how you can put on a half a stone in weight over Christmas. Does that not surprise you?
9: No, definitely not. It's a, it's a tough time for people. People look forward to Christmas so much but then a lot of people dread it as well. You know, I suppose ideal a lot of people who would be looking at losing weight during the year and, you know, it can be so hard they could be three months trying to lose half a stone and then within a week that half a stone could just come on from um, the amount being eaten and and drank, you know.
4: So we don't want to be killjoys. You can still enjoy yourself.
9: Absolutely. 100%. You know, we're all going to enjoy the Christmas. So it's kind of looking to to minimise and, and limit the damage, I suppose, that's going to be done to ourselves. So it's looking at trying to choose wisely most of the time. So you know, maybe not kind of filling up on things like the the breads, but more kind of um, protein-type foods. So kind of when we feed up on, like, the breads, the cakes, the mince pies, the puddings and all that, it kind of sets our body into a blood sugar roller coaster with these high-glycemic foods where we kind of get that blood sugar high where people, you know, feel good, and then soon after they get the blood sugar drop where the energy goes down, and then we kind of get more cravings and that uh, as well, and we're looking for, for more sweet treats. So if we could kind of maybe look at making a few slight choices and uh, better choices and um, during the day, say, make a better choice with a bread. So go for like a sourdough bread or a rye bread or those porridge or oat breads that are there now. They're much kind of easier to digest and uh, much more kind of nutritious as well in the in the body. So that might be a better choice with bread. Then crackers, I know, would be another thing that people go for because it's bites and um, maybe at house parties and that, that they're going to... So again, maybe use more crackers like that are Rivita based or old crackers or even buckwheat for people who might be gluten-free because, again, they're easier to digest, they're more nutritious, they'd have less sugar and salt in them. And ultimately, it's kind of, I suppose, what you put on the cracker rather than the cracker itself that gives it the the taste as well. So topping that with maybe a bit of hummus or cottage cheese or even a a, a nut butter on it um, would, would kind of help there. So it's kind of saying, you know, asking yourself, Again, and looking ahead of the the day ahead, and and how can you kind of do a little bit better if you know you're going out later in, yeah, the, in the evening? C-
4: because I think it, at Christmas parties, uh, the nibbles when people, mm. I mean, if you're if you're if you're standing right, you know, glass of wine in the hand, and the nibbles are beside you, and you can be chatting away, and before you know it, you can have a bowl of peanuts or a a bowl of crisps. <laughs> exactly before the meal has ever arrived.
9: That's right. Yeah, and it's. It's kind of mindless a little bit because, you know, you're in the moment, you're enjoying yourself. So, again, I suppose if, at the when you're standing around, it's maybe if there's a bowl of olives there, maybe looking at going for the olives or feeding up a little bit before you go to the, the dinner parties as well so that you've had something a bit filling so you're not starving when you go there and that you're not eating everything then that's kind of in, in front of you. Because I know the same is similar to maybe... For people in the office where the box of biscuits and the box of chocolates will be there every day now. And it's hard for people to walk past it every day. So I'd say to people, even put another box there that has nuts and fruit and maybe dark chocolate as well in it. And I
4: remember a survey came out a few years ago. The person who is sitting closest to the box of biscuits or the tin of roses or Heroes or Quality Street, that person will eat 20% more than anyone else and we actually we were talking about it here our receptionist is the person it's they're on her desk mm. and she, we she she admits it she said you know the fact that you're sitting beside it you do eat more
9: you do you do and it's it's so you know it's and the more you eat with chocolate and sugar the more we want it kind of does act like a bit of a drug in our body so we do crave more so that's why if there's a bit more choice around And you'd go for, I might have a little few nuts, and then I'll have one or two of the chocolates. So it's limiting the the portions that are going into your body. That's what's going to help ultimately with that weight at the end. You know, when you're coming into the first week of January and thinking, oh, God, how bad is it? And people are afraid to even stand up on the, the scales afterwards. And, of course, getting out and moving, you know, getting out and going for a walk, and especially even after food, just to help again with the blood sugars in the body, and even if it's 15 20 minutes just to get the extra few steps in every day. Yeah, I think yeah, I
4: think I think that's the, the the real key to it. I mean, just get out and and walk. I know people are saying all oh, the dark evenings and and all of that and it's cold and you know, wrap up warm and get out for some exercise because at least then you don't feel so guilty if you are sitting down having the extra few chocolates.
9: Yeah, no question. I would have a lot of clients going on holidays obviously every year and now they know what do when they go on holidays to limit the amount of damage that they will do with the with their weight gain. And a lot of it is is getting out every day and moving. And it's good as well for our mood and energy and mindset. It's nice to get out of the house over the Christmas when everybody's at home, uh, as well for for people. So, but I suppose as well, Patricia, for people maybe going out. There's a lot of people will be out a couple of nights a week um, over the the next couple of weeks. So things that maybe they could do when they go out. Again, I suppose bread is a big one and a lot of time it can be put on the table as our starter before we even begin. So that might be one maybe just to leave out or ask them to take away and kind of have a look at the starter saying, could I have maybe a soup or a light salad? Or if it's something bigger, maybe share a starter with somebody as well.
4: Yeah, good one good one. Yeah. So and then the actual Christmas day itself this yes. 6000 calories. Mm-hmm. It sounds like a huge amount of food.
9: It does. It does for sure and and again I think it's even, you know, just watching kind of the, the portions and taking your time just chewing and digesting your food because we can be hours preparing and next thing you're sitting down and the dinner is gone in in minutes. And you think all that work that has gone into this fabulous food that's put in front (laughs) of us and, and, you know, and then you have a pain in your stomach afterwards. So it it kind of defeats the, the purpose a little bit. So I would say even just to slow down and enjoy the food and watch the portions of food. Put plenty of your turkey or your meat and half fill your plate with vegetables, your Brussels sprouts and carrots and broccolis. And then have a bit of your portion of your potato or your, your roast potato. But just to, just to chew and slow down with, the, with your food.
4: Okay, and it's portion sizes. I mean, that's, portion. yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and going home to Mammy for the, I mean, I know of lots of houses and I have to put my hand up and say I have them in my house as well. I have um, dinner plates that only come out at Christmas because they're huge just for yes. the men. I mean, literally, and I'm not being sexist there, but it's the men, and yeah. we take out these ginormous plates, yeah, and then you think is. you have to fill it. It's crazy.
9: It is. It is. So even that, even using a, a normal or a smaller type place would be a, would be the way to go. And watch kind of, I suppose, again, the amount of desserts. A lot of the time, there'll be a selection of desserts. So we think that we have to eat everything that's that's there and that's in front of us. So maybe think I'll have a little bit, and maybe in two hours later. I'll have another little bit then as well and possibly two hours later you may not feel like it at that stage. And using things like peppermint tea, it's a great one to help with digestion and bloating as well. Um, A lot of people now will be, you know, they will have heartburn, there'll be reflux, there'll be bloating going on because of the overeating happening. So slowing down and things like having your peppermint tea afterwards will all help with that. And a lot of time, even when I'm going out, I might take a digestive enzyme. And that will help kind of with the digestion of your of your food as well, which, w- which
4: would help. OK, and it is just says, Patricia, I remember hearing on your programme many years ago from an expert uh, talking about having a bowl of soup before going out. Because what can often happen is you go out, you're starved. That's how you end up eating all the nibbles before the main meal uh, actually arrives. I do it all the time now. About a half an hour before I'm due to go anywhere, I'll have a nice warming bowl of homemade soup and you certainly are not starved then when you go out and you don't eat as much.
9: That's exactly. It's a great idea definitely to have something small and a little bit substantial before you go out because when we go in somewhere it's even like going shopping hungry or going you know into a a restaurant or wherever hungry then you want everything. We want everything on the menu. Because you're starved. Yeah. yeah, And And your eyes
4: are bigger than your belly and all that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
9: Yeah. Yeah. We want starter, mains, dessert. So... That's a great tip to have. And plus drink some water, drink some water beforehand. Watch the amount of, you know, of, of alcohol that's coming into your body as well. And maybe, you know, a lot of people that use mixers like fizzy drinks and Cokes and all the extra calories coming in, maybe use sparkling water as a mixer or soda water with a mixer that don't have any of the extra sugars or additives in them. You'll feel it the next day if you start breaking it up a little bit.
4: OK, um, and very finally, uh, tips to look after the liver if people are going to be having an extra few tipples than they normally do.
9: Yes, yeah, so good things for our, for our liver because this will be working, this organ will be working overtime for us over the next couple of weeks. So um, dandelion is a great herb, actually, and you can get it in a tea as well. So you can get some dandelion teas in. It's a great liver tonic and helps promote the elimination of uh, of toxins. Milk pistol is another good one. Uh, it's a number one herb to help our liver do its job and protect it as it contains a lot of um, and antioxidants. So Milk pistol would be another really good one to, to get in over the, the Christmas as well. But foods, our cruciferous veg, things like our broccoli, kale, cabbage, sulfur foods like our garlic, onions, they're all really good ones to help our, our liver um fantastic herbs like maybe a rosemary or get some turmeric spices and that in as well. They'll all really help um with our with our liver. And as I say, plenty of hydration. Keep hydrated because even mild hydration will cause headaches for people. And again with alcohol on top of that and um, that diuretic effect it will um you know it will hinder you as well.
4: Okay. So all right. Enjoy yourself though. That's the main thing as well. Yeah, all right. So I- okay, Jennifer, listen, pleasure. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. Thanks, Patricia. Good afternoon to you. Bye bye. That is uh, Jennifer O'Callaghan, nutritional uh, therapist. I can see some calls coming in looking for help and advice on things. We're not going to get to it today. The person with the emulsion paint, I'll bring that up tomorrow morning and the lady with the PlayStation hold off and we'll get to that uh, topic tomorrow as well. Joe, the gas technician we made contact with Joe and he doesn't know anyone who fixes superstars for Our Lady in Charleville who has the superstar that has not been that won't light and Eileen or Ellen in Moornaby since 9.30 this morning her mobile phone has been ringing constantly from the Ascension Islands, where the Ascension Islands 10 calls already logged today she hasn't answered any of them obviously they're all different uh, numbers if you have a smartphone see if it's possible to block them but that is very very uh, annoying indeed Okay, that's where I leave you for today my thanks to Bernie Murphy who uh, produced John Paul will be back with us in the morning and um, the the later texts that have come in we'll take a look at those and we'll pick up with them uh, tomorrow on the programme so until tomorrow at 10 o'clock I'm Patricia Mess Passenger. enjoy the rest of your monday hey folks i'm mark maron from the wtf
9: podcast and this episode is brought to you by kleenex ultra soft tissues